pronouncements if you have them. If there are no further greetings or announcements, I'll just recap this morning's. The focus of the month for the month of February is the Papua New Guinea Bible School, bursaries, necessary projects, and an upgrade to their existing dormitories. This Wednesday is singing. There's three cards on the back table for the extended Kemsky family on the loss of unexpected loss of Sister Nancy's nephew, Mark. Uh, this coming uh, midwinter sing, this coming weekend, the schedule is a practice for the choir starting at 1 p.m. on Saturday and dinner for the choir. And then everyone is invited for the 7 p.m. inspiration hour uh, led by Brother Arnold Sabo. He still needs uh, special numbers. You can contact him via the announcement email. And then on Sunday, um, we'll have the same schedule with uh, our normal start time um, and the afternoon service starting at 2.30 p.m. And um, we've been encouraged to park uh, on the side streets to give more room for the guests in our parking lot. An email has been sent out regarding help in preparing Saturday's dinner and Sunday's lunch and dinner. So please uh, help out where you can. And we need an all hands on deck sort of uh, weekend. Um, so uh, each family is asked to bring three large desserts that are pre-cut and nut free. Uh, see Sister Savannah if you are willing to host any guests. She's coordinating the housing list. This would also be just an, a good an opportunity to invite any, any friends or neighbors that you have that might be interested in uh, an event such as this uh, or visiting our church this or any other Sunday. I think that's it. Before we open God's word, let's turn to him in prayer. Dear Lord God in heaven, thank you for, for being here, for being who you are, the infinite, all-powerful, all-loving God who can be here at this moment in a special way. We realize these Promises aren't just words on a page, but they are real. They are to be experienced and they are to be lived. And that can happen even this afternoon hour as we open this word, as we read it. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your life, which was lived in perfect obedience to your Heavenly Father, perfect love, perfect joy. And your Father, we want to experience that too. We want to follow in the same footsteps of Jesus. Help us to do that. We thank you for each one that is here. Dear Father, we ask a blessing on them and we ask a blessing on thy word as we read it. We pray for those that need thy special touch through uh, their illnesses, their trials, their temptations. Be with them, dear Father. Strengthen them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read with the Lord's help out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Luke 
Luke chapter 13, verse 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his axe from the stall, or his ox or his ass from the stall, and lead him away to watering? And not, not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer, and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, 
and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. I read up to verse 30 of Luke chapter 13. May God bless the reading of his word. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. This is a shocking thing. A a blasphemous thing, an abominable thing. Anyone who cared about God and his the, 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 the worship that he had instituted in the temple would have been shocked by this, would have been appalled that the Romans would come into the temple precinct and kill these Galileans as they were offering their sacrifices, mingling their blood with their sacrifices. What a shocking thing. I wonder why these people came to Jesus and told him about this incident. Maybe maybe it was to get him to say something that was anti-Roman, maybe, or maybe to confirm their thoughts about Maybe these Galileans were sinners. I'm not sure exactly. He addresses it somewhat in this response, some of their erroneous thinking. He doesn't dwell really for a moment on the incident itself, the shocking nature of it. He turns from the why and the how to the what does this mean to you? You know, I... I think it's been two weeks now, um, two weeks ago, that I, uh, Monday morning, and I logged into to my intranet and the, and the work, the newspaper, the news page and, and our company to, to read some shocking news of, of a coworker the same age as myself who had passed away just suddenly, unexpectedly over the weekend. He joined the company just a little bit before I did, and I seen him maybe the previous week walking in and out and my mind immediately went into the why and the how and what are the details well how did he pass what why did this happen all of that and it took me a, a little while to to step back from that and to realize that that's really not important for me the why and the how those details the important thing for me is to reflect on myself and where I am at this, the same age that he is. What would happen to me if the Lord took me tomorrow? What would happen to those behind me, left behind me? What would happen if I was told this is it, this is the end of your life? That's the important thing, right? What we have with this moment at this time. And that's what Jesus is trying to show these people here. No, no, no. <laughs> The why and the how is not important of this tragedy. The importance of it is, are you ready? Repent or perish. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then just to further underline that, he brings up another example, unbidden. He says, do you remember that Tower of Siloam, some, some catastrophe that happened 
that fell over and killed a bunch of people? You remember that? You think those people were big sinners and that's why God? No. Think about that and think about are you ready if such should happen to you in the next moment? When you walk out of here, when you're driving home in, the, in your car on a busy uh, Sunday afternoon, as it seems to be these days on the highways. And then he follows it up with a parable that is, there's so much to it. There's so much to think about in that parable, this parable of the fig tree. And it really underscores to me, you know, the, the suddenness of these tragedies. Oh, it seems so sudden. It seemed so unexpected. And yeah, that fig tree, if it was not to bear fruit, it would seem sudden if it was, when it was cut down. But there's no suddenness. There were years of waiting. There were years of dunging about the tree, waiting for it to, to bear fruit, working with it. We're talking about, as we heard this morning, an infinite God, a God who has all power, all knowledge, infinite love, who is dealing with mankind. And you think these things are sudden and unfair and unexpected? No. There is a God who knows perfectly each one of you. He knows when more time given would do no more good, when it wouldn't avail. He knows when the end is the end. The importance of the thing is now, at this moment, to repent and believe. There was a certain man that had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And he says something perfectly reasonable. Anyone who is, bearing, who, who is growing things, not going to grow them just for, the, um, for no purpose. It's all, always got to be for some purpose. Even a flower that, that grows in the ground that maybe doesn't bear any fruit, it's grown for the beauty of it and to enjoy it. And if it doesn't bear those flowers or the, the tree that doesn't bear fruit or whatever it is, get rid of it. Why, why, is, it, why is it cumbering the ground, taking up space? Any, anyone would understand that who has, any, uh, um, who has a, a piece of land and is growing something. Perfectly reasonable. And you see this conversation this conversation between the Lord of the vineyard and his dresser, the one who's, who's the tending the vineyard. And this, my friend, it's the conversation that's happening in heaven right now between God the Father and God the Son. It's the conversation that's saying, give him a little more time. Let me work with him a little more. Let me tend to him. Perhaps he will. God is, this is part of the infinitude of God that we spoke about this morning. I cannot understand how he can know the end from the beginning. He can be, have perfect knowledge, all power, and yet give you choice at this moment. And say, yes, I give you genuine choice. I give you a genuine choice at this moment to choose, to respond to the gospel, to bear fruit. And my friend, you know what that fruit is. You know the fruit that God is asking you to bear. It's not something far from you. That's not in the nature of God to, 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 to dangle something here out of your reach and say, ha, 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 you can't reach it. Try a little harder. It's right beside you. It's so close to you.
that next passage here. I, I find Luke is an, is an interesting gospel writer, and um, you compare Luke with some of the other gospel writers, it's different. You know, the, try to figure out the chronology, it doesn't always line up, but I think Luke is writing these things and putting them in a certain sequence to show and illustrate. And in this passage, he's heading towards Jerusalem. But I always find it fascinating, kind of the next thing that happens in Luke's account. And this one here, verse 11, about this woman that had a spirit of infirmity. My friend, this underscores what I just said to you. What a beautiful story. You think about this woman that had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And I'm just picturing someone who's practically bent double and is staring at the ground, staring at herself. I'm sure her walking was painful and difficult. She could, and says he called her to him. And in, an, in a moment, in an instant, she was loosed. This is the power of the God that we serve, the God that you are being asked to believe in, a God with instant power that can unbind you, that can loose you from your shackles. That's the God we serve. Don't think it's up to yourself. Don't think it's it's, um, a matter of you applying yourself more diligently and that's going to get you there. It, It didn't work for me. It hasn't worked for all of the others who have professed Christ, who have been genuinely converted. It doesn't work just to try harder. It won't get you anywhere. It does take the supernatural power of Jesus, the Son of God. It's this exchange that that reveals the hypocrisy of those that were, thought they were religious, that, that they were so obsessed with their, their rules, their man-made rules that weren't even in the, God, the law of God about healing. You know, you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath day. He, says, he just pointed up their hypocrisy and said, you have no problem leading an, an ox or an ass to, to water them, to unloose them from a stall and take them out and, and, and supply their needs. And, and you have an issue now with, with me healing this woman who's been tied up for 18 years. And... That kind of hypocrisy, we can all, each one of us can be open to it. Each one of us can be susceptible to going down a certain path, justifying ourselves and ourselves again and again until we get to a certain point of blindness where when the truth is revealed to you, it's so obvious. Oh, I, and, and the people, when they heard his response, you could almost hear them cheering. When he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. It's so obvious when we do step into the truth and the light of God's word. It's clear and it's simple. It's only man that convolutes things, that complicates things, that makes them more difficult than they need to be. The truth of God is simple. It's not easy. He says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. What makes it straight and difficult and hard to go in is us, our pride, our our swollen natures to fit through that narrow door of Jesus Christ. We need to be pricked, exhausted, left go of ourself, and then we can enter simply. Uh, 
Again, Luke, it's fascinating here. He goes from that example of this instant miraculous power and then to some parables here that Christ says about a, a, a grain of mustard seed and leaven that's uh, yeast that's hidden in, in a loaf of, of, of a measure of dough. And that also tells me, my friend, that yes, these things happen, they can happen very fast and miraculously, but they can also happen slowly. And that you can turn around and look and, and say, yes, God has been with me all this time and he's been working and I haven't realized it. And now I see, yes, I do have that faith. It can be a, a gradual thing. It can be a, a thing that grows surprisingly in ways you didn't expect. That happens just as it is. So be open to that working too, my friend outside of Christ, my brother and sister. Be open to that working too when you turn around and say, yeah, look at this. God is, is using me to help these other people, to support other people, these birds that are coming and lodging in the, in the, in the big tree now. That's the kingdom of God too. It's not all miraculous and sudden things. It's slow working too and, and, and a quiet bearing of fruit. That's how God's kingdom can work. The important thing is now, is here in the present, to respond to that. The important thing is to repent. To repent and keep on repenting. We have a certain mindset that we fall into, our sinful nature, our, our, the way of thinking, the, the, the pattern of thought that is without faith, really, and we need to repent from that. My friend outside of Christ, you need to prevent, uh, repent from it clearly and, and distinctly to walk away from it. And my brother and sister, daily we have to repent from those things that are not of faith. That those things are not. Life seems to go along, doesn't it? It seems to just proceed in some ways. We, we just seem to notch another day, and things develop slowly sometimes, and another year passes by, and then things can happen suddenly without expectation and without warning. That is the nature of this life that as was described this morning that thin pencil line that is on the great sheet of paper spreading to the far horizon, that, 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 that timeline, time is going on. It's going in one direction only. It is really important for you here and now at this moment to see that, to, to acknowledge it, to, to, to turn to God, to do the things that he wants you to do, to bear that fruit that he wants you to bear. Time is limited. One day... There will be the end of time. That we will get off the pencil line as it is. We will enter the great white sheet of timelessness. And I'm saying these words and I have no idea. I have no concept of what that means. You, same thing. We don't understand what it means when there will be no more time. But what Christ describes here in this last part about knocking at the door not being able to enter, seeing those outside, seeing others entering into the kingdom and sitting down and those coming from east and west and north and south. 
That's part of this timelessness, this when time will be no more. All these things that Christ says are true. They will be experienced in ways we can't understand, but are very true. That those that are without, that did not repent, that refused to change their faithless mindset, they will be on the outside looking in. And those inside will be sitting and rejoicing and, and, will, be known, known and, and uh, will be known for who they are and will know others for who they are. There won't be this kind of um, oblivion. He says, Abraham, he gives names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets in the kingdom of God. We will be sitting with them. We will know who they are. There will be no sorrow. There will be no regret. There will be no, oh, I wish so-and-so were here, but too bad he's on the outside. No. In a way that we don't understand, something to do with the timelessness of things, the succession of time, I don't understand that. But it will be perfect and perfectly healed. There will be, as uh, one of the special numbers we're preparing, there will be a, um, a balm that will answer every wound, every hurt, every, every suffering that we have gone on, that has gone on for us here in time. There will be a perfect contentment as we sit down in the kingdom of God. And it all has to do, all has to come back with that same simple message that we preach Sunday in and Sunday out, hopefully other times of the week too, that Jesus is the door, he's the way. Enter in by him. The master of the house has risen up and hath shut the door, and he begin to stand without and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. You know, you remember there was a time when he was knocking at your door. There was a time when he was requesting to enter in to sup with you. That will be the regret of that moment, of that moment, when there are no more moments, when there is no more time. That will be the eternal regret. That's why Christ says, no, no, no. The important things is not you, you know what happened in this particular tragedy or how it happened or why God did it or allowed it to happen. The important things is, are you ready? Are you ready to go? I'm not sure exactly why the Lord laid this scripture on my heart. I don't have a particular thinking other than to, 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 to say, my friend outside of Christ, I have a burden on my heart for you and a time is short. You need to respond now and today. There is not tomorrow promised for you. God has been so gracious. You know, the, the digging about that tree, that fruitless fig tree, with manure as he dungs it, it doesn't smell so good, I'm sure. But it's what the tree needs. It's the thing that it needs to bear fruit. God knows what's needed in your life, what he needs to prepare around your roots for you to be fruitful. There's, there's no lack or limitation on God's part that he's holding out on you, that you cannot either experience salvation or experience a deeper walk with him. No, there's no lack on your part. There's no lack on my part. It's just uh, that simple submission to the Lord Jesus Christ entering in at his door, walking in his way. May God impress that in our hearts in this afternoon hour. Would a brother please find a hymn?
How about we sing hymn number 52? Dear Heavenly Father, even this afternoon hour, we bow down on this earth to pray thee, to thee, to ask thee for mercies and grace that we so much need, dear Heavenly Father. We find ourselves sometimes bound in all the wrong things on this world like that woman in the story that was miraculously, through thy miracle, was unbound 
and set free from the chain of Satan. Dear Heavenly Father, we are also reminded uh, in these stories about the tragic outcomes of some people that lived in Jesus' time and how other people were wondering why and how that happened, that they ended up that way. Was that sin? Was there something hidden that we are not, don't know about it? And uh, yet again, we are reminded to not think like a worldly people, but think like disciples of thine. That we see the big picture that without repentance from sins in following thee and getting baptized to be at peace with thee, every soul would be lost and would be thrown in the lake of fire, dear Heavenly Father. So we are reminded of that big picture of the heavenly perspective that we are lost without thee, that we need thee every hour, that we need thee for our soul salvation, that we have time still at our hands, but we don't know for how long to conquer our will and let you lead us and guide us, dear Heavenly Father. We are mindful of those, dear Heavenly Father, that were not able to come today by illness, by weakness of soul and body, or by choice. May they all uh, be blessed and pricked in their hearts and reminded of uh, glorious and wonderful ways that thou promised to those that follow thee. Dear Heavenly Father, there are many needs in this sin and fallen world that we live in and uh, between our flock here, thine flock, dear Heavenly Father, we ask thee for many blessings and guidance in uh, the days to come. Be with us and stay with us. That's what we pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus did some pretty amazing things. Like that woman that we read about in the, in the scripture today. But all with the purpose of underscoring the truth of his words. He says, if you don't believe my words, believe me for my work's sake. And those that heard him speak those words, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Those were very real words. And then they had another chance after Jesus' death and resurrection and, and the disciples and the, new, the early church formed and Peter preached the, the, the sermon uh, at Pentecost. There was another chance and, the, and, the, and the, the church was formed and the gospel was going out and preaching 
being preached, there was another chance. God is a God of second chances. He gives, he's merciful and gracious. He gives many opportunities, but there is a final chance. There is a final time. God is a God of second chances, but there is a final chance. And some of those maybe that heard him saying, accept ye, repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Maybe some of those people were still people there 40 years later when Jerusalem was destroyed in that great destruction of Jerusalem when the temple was the huge amount of fire and, and uh, conflagration of uh, when finally the whole city was, was basically destroyed and not one stone was left upon another. And those, some of those people, if they had not repented, they truly did likewise perish in exactly the same way. God's word is true. It's very true. It can be counted on. And that word today to you, my friend outside of Christ, is except ye repent, ye shall also likewise perish. The good news is the gospel is open. It's free. It's not up to you in, 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 in your achievement. Respond in faith. Take a little step. Be obedient in a little thing. See God grow your faith as a grain of a mustard seed. He's true. He's faithful. He will do it. With that, we commend you to God's care and keeping this coming week.